The Ref Radio Sports Network is powered statewide by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. It's time for the Steelman and Thune at Noon. With Mike Steely and Parker Thune. Hit the guys up on the Riverwind Casino calling line at 405-329-9000. Text the show on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439. Live from the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios, here's Mike Steely and Parker Thune. Oh yeah, let's get it rolling. I always forget, Drake. I always forget when I sit in here. Which is it? Which, or which side of the switch flips my mic on, and which side flips it off? I'm sitting in Steely's chair today because Steely is on vacation all week. So when it comes to the greatest generational gap in Oklahoma radio, you get one half of the dynamic duo this week. Glad Steely gets some time off. He is more than entitled to it at his age. He has done a great deal for the radio industry in the state of Oklahoma. But he is out of the saddle this week. I am here with Drake Dyken. And boy, Drake, I am just glad the Sooner basketball program gave us something to talk about on Saturday. Because we were on the verge of having a very, very bad day on this Monday. It was going to be a very doom and gloom type of day. I mean, you're talking about going from a team pretty safely in the tournament to probably being one of the first or last four out. Uh, I mean, yeah. It, it would not have been a good scenario if you go into Gallagher-Iba and lose that game. But, you know, uh, JV McCollum, he uh, went ahead and called game anyways for OU. So just for you. Just for you. It was all for you, Parker. I, I like to think so. But obviously something that all of Sooner Nation was thrilled to see Because you know Oklahoma State was waving the eternal scoreboard flag when they won Bedlam on the gridiron back in November. The Sooners pull off the sweep of the Pokes on the hardwood, beating Oklahoma State both on their home floor at the Lloyd Noble Center and, of course, in Gallagher-Iba this past weekend. we got a lot to talk about on this Monday. We're going to talk recruiting. We're going to talk Diamond Sports. Brent Venables had some comments in an interview with T. Rowe about fan support heading into the SEC. We'll dig into that in the 1 o'clock hour. Jesse Crittenden going to join the show to discuss all things OU basketball. But uh, the hardwood is naturally where we will start. And because we simply can't get enough of it, let's revisit the great Toby Rowland's call of a shot that will live in infamy for the Pokes and a shot that will live on in Sooner lore for the Crimson and Cream. Javian McCollum provides the dagger in the final Bedlam matchup of the Big 12 era. McCollum, left wing, he'll drive it with four, cut off, back up with three, got to get a shot up, three-pointer at the buzzer for the win! It's good! It's good! It's good! Javian McCollum wins Bedlam! Javian McCollum wins Bedlam, a three-pointer on the wing, and Oklahoma gets out the brooms in Stillwater. Electric, 
That wa- that is why he is the greatest to ever do it. Uh, you cut it off a little bit there, too. I did cut it off a little bit. <laughs> I, I snagged it straight from the Twitter feed. Uh, well, so this was the whole thing Saturday is, like really last week in general, is if anybody that's out there listening right now was listening to baseball last Sunday, OU versus Nebraska, they know that Toby's voice was in rough shape by the end of the game. Uh-huh. And Monday morning it was in rough shape as well last week well he was feeling strong in his voice like the entire game he sounded great and then like right at the end of that game whenever he's losing his mind because it was an epic moment from that J Mac had provided right at the uh, tail end right after that you can kind of hear in his voice that it's starting to fail on him it it Fails on him even more immediately where you cut it off. So. Now, I know as we were watching that, mm-hmm. if you were watching, if you were listening to the radio call, you got spared some of the emotional turmoil of the final 12 seconds. Because if you were watching it, I know you were thinking all of the same things I was thinking. And so, for everyone's convenience, I went ahead and mixed in Toby's call with what I knew we were all thinking in the moment. McCollum, no. left wing, no, 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 he'll drive no. it with four, Please, cut no. off, back up with no. three, got to get a shot up, no. three-pointer at the buzzer for the win, it's gone, it's gone, it's gone! Are you kidding me? That's right! Who do you think you are? I am! Watching that final possession, Drake, uh... was thoroughly harrowing. I mean, there was there was very clearly no plan, except that J.J., or J., yeah, J.B. McCollum was going to take the final shot. Some way, somehow, he was going to have to create separation, get a window, mm-hmm. get a shot up, because there was nothing happening on the floor. Yeah. It's a very different conversation right now, Drake. A very different conversation if that shot doesn't go down, and not just because Oklahoma would have lost the basketball game, but because there didn't appear to be any clear plan as to what was happening offensively for Oklahoma. Well, and Porter kind of got into that after the game, is the plan was, and you had seen this quite a a few times at the end of the game, is that Javon McCollum was able to get to the basket pretty easily by isolating and uh, because of all the spacing that OU was doing. Well, OSU basically denied that on that last possession. That was the game plan. That was the play that they were going to run. And when OSU came with a double team to deny Javion on that, well, he just kind of stepped back, and all of a sudden he was like, well, I guess I'm just going to shoot a three here. <laughs> and that sunk a fadeaway three-point shooter. I mean, uh, I, it's it's one of the more incredible uh, – I mean, it's not often you get a buzzer-beater game-winning shot like that. And, man, uh, it was a lot more fun with it being in Stillwater. 84-82, the final in overtime. Oklahoma gets it done. They had to have that one. They got it. Looking at the schedule the rest of the way, you got Iowa State on the road this Wednesday, come home to face Houston and Cincinnati, and then you go to Texas to close out the regular season. All the Sooners have to do at this point is not go 0-4 down the stretch in order to punch their ticket. Their next victory will be their 20th, and 20 wins in this Big 12 should be enough to get them into the field of 68. Should be more than enough. Had they dropped that game on Saturday, 
Well, the tournament picture looks much bleaker. Yeah. The path to the field of 68 is not foreclosed by any means, but obviously you have to do a whole heck of a lot more at that point. And it's also a loss that does not look good on your tournament resume, it, especially it, it this late in the season. It looks terrible on your tournament resume. And th- I was actually looking at the net rankings earlier today for OU, and one of the things that they definitely have going for them is I think it was they've – I think that they were 5-0 and in quad four games, which would have been all in the non-con. And I think 3-0 and in quad three games. They haven't lost any games that they are supposed to win, basically. And that's the big thing for OU is that you are not dropping these bad losses. You know, you look on the flip side, women's basketball, they also swept Bedlam this weekend, too. And they ran away from the Cowgirls. Yeah, Jenny's Saturday. got a team. At uh, the LNC, well, they do have a quad four loss. They lost to Southern in the non-conference, and that has women's basketball at, I think, 27 uh, overall, which they'd be much higher without that loss. Well, the men are like 38th, I think it was, in the net ranking. So that's the main thing that OU has going for it, and they were able to keep going for it by not losing Bedlam Saturdays. You don't have a bad loss on the resume, as far as, like, your worst loss is probably UCF for the season? Probably so, yes. And UCF's been, I mean, that's a team that also beat Kansas earlier this year. Uh-huh. That's a pretty good basketball team still. You don't have any losses to, like, Sam Houston the way you did last right. year on that yes. resume. opening night, yeah. Yeah, which will help Oklahoma, no doubt about it. Here's what I'm thinking, is that I've been watching OU basketball for close to 20 years. And I have never seen, I have never witnessed a true buzzer beater from the Sooners. We have seen some late daggers. We have seen some shots to win games in the final seconds. I think about Austin Reeves dropping 40 on TCU down at Schulmeyer Arena, hitting the final shot with half a second to play uh, back right before the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020. Obviously, Buddy Heald had a tip in at the LNC to beat Kansas. There have been memorable shots for Oklahoma in recent memory, but there have there haven't been any at least to my recollection that have given Oklahoma the win as the buzzer sounded. So, I'd love to hear from y'all on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line 405-651-3439. Especially given the context, final bedlam ever. Where does that rank? in terms of clutch moments that you have seen on the basketball court from Oklahoma, regardless of the player, regardless of the circumstance, where does that rank in your all-time clutch moments hierarchy in your time watching Oklahoma basketball? Javian McCullough, the other thing about the shot too, Drake, is it was a very impressive shot, defender all up in his face from the wing, Mm -hmm. nothing but nylon. Yeah. And when you watch the replay, especially when you watch it from the floor angle, if he puts his heel down, he's out of bounds. Yeah. When he steps back, yeah. he's he's standing on his toes as he goes into his jump to release the shot. If at any point he puts his heel down, he's out of bounds and it's game over. Yeah. Oklahoma State wins. Yeah. So And you want to talk about a nauseating way to lose. <laughs> If you if you uh, have a setback three like that and you step out of bounds, 
I mean, it's frustrating when it happens just within a regular capacity because it does happen a couple times, once or twice per game between both teams. And if it happens to end a game, I mean, man, oh, man, you want to talk about a headache. Drake, we were talking about this before we jumped on the air, but mm-hmm. give give me some context for what it was like for you courtside. Yeah. You said the student section was right behind you. Unruly. Set the scene. Yeah. Set the scene in Gallagher-Iba Arena leading up to that final shot uh-huh. and after that final well, shot. Well, obviously, OSU, previous possession, they go and take the lead. The students that we had directly behind the bench area, behind the broadcasting area, were, I think it's my fourth time that I've been to Sawar. This was the most obnoxious group of students that, have ever been behind us at all at Gallagher-Iba. Um, everybody was going nuts. It was loud. I mean, you can hear how loud in the arena it was whenever Javian puts up that shot in that final possession. Um, but it goes from that to feeling like you can hear a pin drop in the arena because all of a sudden these obnoxious... <sighs> frat boy type of guys that are right behind us. They're screaming at the refs, screaming at Porter, screaming at Waldo, all the guys. I mean, they are wearing everybody out. And there there was a person on the bench that at one point during the game turned around and uh, acknowledged them and just uh, shook their head. I won't say who it was, but to going to just dismay of, oh, so we lose <laughs> because that was the one thing about that shot too, is it wasn't, there was zero doubt that uh, J Mac had gotten the shot off in time. Oh like, yeah. No it, doubt. it was clearly up in the air before the buzzer goes red, before the buzzer sounds, anything like that. Well, there was more of a question as to whether there was time left on the clock right. when the ball did go through right. the cylinder. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it went from a group of unruly, frat boys directly behind us to just shocked and dismayed like oh well we we just lost didn't we no. yes yes you did people yes, you did people have opinions on the knippelmeyer chevrolet text line i have opinions no doubt we will spend a lot of time talking about the shot this game its impact on the rest of the season for oklahoma but coming up next Jesse Crittenden, OU basketball beat writer for OUinsider.com, going to join the show give us his take on what it means for the Sooners, what it meant to the Sooners on Saturday. He was there in Gallagher-Iba, so we'll touch base with him coming up next. This hour of the show brought to you by Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Whether you're looking to repair, replace, or maintain your air conditioning and heating system, call Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Family-owned and operated, servicing the greater Oklahoma City area since 2007. Give them a call at 405-579-3113 for all your heating and air needs. Home comfort you can trust at Lasher, and hit the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439. Coming right back with Jesse Crittenden here on The Ref, the home of Sooner fans. This hour of the Steelman and Thune at Noon Show is brought to you by Lasher Home Comfort Systems, family-owned and operated and serving the OKC Metro since 2007. For all your heat and air needs, call Lasher's at 405-579-3113. Jesse Crittenden, Sooners beat writer for OUinsider.com, joins the show now. 
I'm Parker Thune here in studio with Drake Dyken. For those just joining, no Steely today or all week. The man is on vacation. It is a well-deserved one. We will hold down the fort in his absence. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line available to you, 405-651-3439. Little question that today, the biggest story across the Sooner State and across Sooner Nation, which spans the globe, as we know from our listener map on kref.com. The biggest story is, of course, Javian McCollum's buzzer beater, which has been dubbed the silencer in Stillwater. I think it's an awesome name. No, Drake mentioned last segment that being there courtside, it truly was a silencer in Gallagher-Iba Arena. And as we welcome Jesse to the show, Jesse, I guess my first question for you is something that we touched a little bit on in the first segment, but how different is the conversation for so many reasons today, if that shot from Javian McCollum doesn't go down on Saturday? Oh, it, it's completely different. And, and that was part of the discussion uh, after the game in the in the media room before the press conferences started is, I mean, we're, you know, if, if that shot is just a little bit off and doesn't go down, I mean, all of a sudden the, the questions about this, about this basketball program flood in. I mean, it's about, oh, my gosh, are they going to miss the NCAA tournament? What does Porter Moser's future look like? What do the players on the roster, what do their futures look like? Uh, There's so many questions that would have came, but all of a sudden that shot not only is a huge step forward in OU finally getting back to the the conference tournament, but I think that was was just a big win for OU's confidence moving forward, that the foundation of this program, and for for Javian McCollum, I mean, it's been a it's been a pretty big struggle for Javian through a lot of conference play, a lot of struggles offensively through a lot of these games, and, and he struggled a little bit on on Saturday too. I mean, he was just four fifteen before that last shot, but you know, to have those struggles and to still be confident uh, to take that last shot and make it, I mean, it's it was a, it was a huge win, and really, what was a great game, I actually think in some ways. That was as, as good as OU had played all season. So I think to lose that game and for you know everything that would have come with it would have been just an absolute gut punch. But all, now we're talking about this, this program having momentum and, and all of a sudden the NCAA tournament be, looks very much in play, very much a reality, and, and you really can't say enough about how big that shot was. Well, and all the Sooners have to do to punch their ticket, Jesse, is essentially not go 0-4 down the stretch with their final four matchups of the regular season. That should be pretty easy to accomplish. They get Cincinnati, a very middling Cincinnati team at home. Texas looks uh, far from invincible. Iowa State and Houston this week, that's going to be tough. Uh, the expectation has to be that Oklahoma is going to come up short in both of those matchups, especially going to Hilton Coliseum. And Houston is just on a different level right now. That is that is a national championship contender uh, in every sense of the word. You just watch them, you get the sense that is a different basketball team. That's no knock on Oklahoma, but they're playing two of the very best in the country this week. So expectations should be tempered. That said, Jesse, and obviously – it stands to reason that the thing we'd all be talking about today is the shot from Javian McCollum. However, I feel as though many have lost sight of the fact that Rivaldo Sorez wasn't even going to play all that much on Saturday. At least that was the plan. Heck, Porter Moser didn't know 90 minutes to tip if he was going to play at all. Not only does he play, but he drops a 20-piece for the Sooners and is as key of a contributor on the offensive end as anybody, despite the fact that he was very obviously banged up and not 100 percent 
on that ankle. What does it say about Waldo Suarez, the performance that he turned in at Gallagher Ibe on Saturday? Yeah, not only was he not 100%, but he looked like he, he furthered injure, or injured that ankle in the first half and actually came out of the game. And we were all sitting on press row thinking, it like, okay, you know, he's, that's, that's probably it. He was already hurt. He's probably not going to come back into the game. And all of a sudden, like two minutes later, he's back in the game. And not only did he play on, on a bum ankle, but he was OU's best player. Even J.B. McCollum, as, as incredible as that shot was, he was OU's best player against Oklahoma State. I mean, he led the team in scoring with 20 points. His, his three-point shooting in particular was really needed. His defense was great. I mean, he played 30 minutes in, in an overtime game, again, on a, on a day where they really weren't sure whether he was going to play or not. I, I think it just speaks to not only his mentality and how much this season means to him. I mean, he's mentioned more than once. I mean, this is his last go-around. He's never made the NCAA tournament. And, and I think he really – I mean, he just – he loves – OU, he loves being in Norman. I think he really is committed to, to trying to make this thing work. But he's also just been OU's best player in conference play. I really don't think that's debatable with the way he's played on both ends. I mean, he's averaging over 10 points a game. He's shooting really efficiently in conference play. His defense has been sorely needed. I, I think it just showed uh, on Saturday not only his mentality and where he's at, but also how essential he is to this team. O- OU doesn't beat Oklahoma State if, if Rivaldo Suarez doesn't play. That's that's just the matter at hand, and they need him if they want to make any kind of run down the stretch in the Big 12 tournament, getting to the NCAA tournament potentially. If, if OU has any aspirations, it starts with Rivaldo Suarez being on the floor. So that's going to be, I think that's going to be the tough thing moving forward. Is while OU's resume is good and and they control their own destiny. The, the, the end of the regular season is going to be tough for them, and they need him. So that, that balance is going to be about how do you keep him healthy, how do you keep him fresh, but also he needs to be on the floor. But, yeah, I mean, as great as Javian's shot was, the story really is Rivaldo Suarez not only playing, but I think leading OU on both ends. Jesse Crittenden, Sooners beat writer for OUinsider.com, is our guest here on Steely and Thune at noon on The Ref, the home of Sooner fans. Now, Jesse, we know how Porter Moser operates. Obviously... McCollum's going to get his flowers and has for the shot that sunk the pokes on Saturday in Gallagher Iba. But we know it's going to be back to the drawing board for Oklahoma on, uh, or I, sh- I should say, on this Monday as they prepare for a very tough road test against number six Iowa State, and then to come home this weekend to face off with second-ranked Houston, which may very well be number one. I don't know if the new poll is out, but they'll certainly. Uh, have a chance of leapfrogging UConn based on the Huskies' loss last week to Connecticut. Or not to Connecticut, I'm sorry, but to Creighton. UConn is Connecticut. I, I threw myself for a loop there, Drake. But, uh, Jesse, I just knowing the way that Porter Moser operates, knowing and perceiving that on Saturday the Sooners played far from a perfect basketball game, what do you think has to be the focus this week in practice for the Sooners? Because, I, I guess, let me phrase it this way. Why was that game against Oklahoma State on Saturday close? And how does Oklahoma get to the point where they're playing a clean enough game that when Cincinnati comes to town or when they go on the road to face Texas at season's end in a matchup that they should win regardless of the venue, how can they get to the point where they're not having to sweat it out and they don't need a clutch shot like that from somebody like J.B. McCollum to win? Yeah, I think that was the the tough part on Saturday is that was the best OU's offense has looked in, in quite some time. The problem was their their defense. And you have to give Oklahoma State some credit. The, the, the way they've played the last couple of weeks, they've been a different team 
They've shaken up their lineups a little bit. They've looked more cohesive. They got two straight wins heading into Saturday. So this, is, this isn't this is the same Oklahoma State team that even was at Lloyd Noble a few weeks ago. Having said all that, I mean, they shot, I think, nearly 70% in the second half. Oklahoma State did. OU's defense just really couldn't get a stop. And, and you know, credit to OU for, for staying in it and hitting enough shots. I mean, guys like Rivaldo Soares, Luke Northweather hit a big shot. Jalen Moore was pretty big for OU on Saturday. But really, it's got to be defensively. And there's there's been some inconsistencies with OU all year. But, I mean, the thing that's been mostly consistent about them has been their defense. And while they're going to need to hit shots, they need J.B. McCollum, you know, to, to as great as that shot was, they need him to be a little bit more consistent. They need Milos Yuzan to be a little bit more of a threat. Uh, you know, Otega Owe had a good second half, but he struggled a little bit through conference play. I think, the, I mean, all of that being said, it's going to be their defense that, that really is the backbone of this team. It's always been the backbone of Porter Moser teams. And, and the defense, I mean, Porter Moser said it after the game on Saturday. He said, if, if you told me that it, we had given up 82 points and still won, I would have thought you were lying. And I do actually think that's a, a pertinent <laughs> point. So I think not only this week, like you said, it's a really tough week. It's going to be tough to get a win. Not that they can't, but it, this is a really tough week. But, it, you know, heading into these last four games, heading into the Big 12 tournament, they've got to get their defense a little bit short up. It's been a little shaky the last couple of weeks, and that's got to be the focus heading into the next few games of the season. By the way, per some quick research from the Drake himself, Houston is indeed the number one team in the nation as of the new release of the AP poll this afternoon. So Kelvin Sampson will have – the country's top-ranked bunch in his return to the Lloyd Noble Center this Saturday. Jesse, always appreciate the time. We'll talk again next week. Appreciate you guys having me on. All right. Well, look, I'm a man of the people. I do what the people want, generally speaking, within reason. And so (laughs) coming up next as we continue uh, to break down the impact and the ramifications of the Sooners' victory over Oklahoma State on Saturday. There are many on the text line that want to hear the Dave Hunziker call, so we're going to play the Dave Hunziker call. Let's start there, and we'll keep talking about this from every angle imaginable. Coming up next, this is the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Sports Radio Network. Oh, it's a good day. It was a good weekend, if you're a Sooner fan, Drake. Real good weekend. Doesn't really matter which sport suits your fancy. This is just a good weekend to be a Sooner sports fan. And as promised, before we go any further, folks, let's hear what Javian McCollum's silencer in Stillwater sounded like if you were a, a poke. Which and I, folks, this I is, still have yet to hear this. Oh, so. this is awesome, Drake. This is the audio version of the Surrender Cobra. Roll it. <laughs> McCollum with seven seconds near midcourt. Defended by Keller. Hesitates. Now drives it left, but cut off. Three seconds. McCollum, left wing. Three-pointer at the buzzer is good. And Oklahoma wins. I love how there's just nothing, like, there's nothing to say. There's just, nothing that anybody wants to say just, after that shot just, goes in. I mean, what can you say at that point? It's like the video. The uh, one that I always think of is the video. This was a couple of years ago when Eli Gold just basically like, uh, like, I can't remember what he did, but he just looked. 
PO'd at the world after A&M uh, upset Bama. You remember this? Oh video? gosh, the Zach Calzada game. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you remember the video of Eli Gold after uh, A and M hit the game-winning field goal in that? No, I do not. Oh my gosh, it's just dismay. Like it sounds about like that. Like an A and M has won the game, <laughs> and it's just him, like, I mean, like what shaking else can his you- head. Like it seems like he. I, I want to say, like, slap the table and frustration, stuff like that, but yeah. And that was, correct me if I'm wrong, that was the first time a former Nick Saban assistant had ever beaten Nick Saban. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. And the first time since 2007 that Alabama had lost to an unranked opponent. And of all people, it was Jimbo Fisher that pulled it off at Texas A&M with Zach Calzada at quarterback. Yeah. A guy that transferred to Auburn and didn't start, mm-hmm. and then transferred to Incarnate Word, and I don't think he started there either. I could be wrong, right? But, uh, uh, yeah, you take a quarterback that sounds like he should be a dish at an Italian restaurant and go beat Nick Saban in Alabama. Yeah, it was it. It was in Tuscaloosa, wasn't it, or was it at Kyle Field? It was at Kyle Field. Okay. Uh, but yeah, th- that is a far cry from Hunzi's call of just the best day ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, play play, play it again, it. Drake. Play it again. Uh... McCollum with seven seconds near midcourt. Defended by Keller. Hesitates. Now drives it left, but cut off. Three seconds. McCollum, left wing, three-pointer at the buzzer is good. And Oklahoma wins. And I promise you, here's what happened in that moment. I promise you that in his head, you know, as a broadcaster, if you are Dave Hunziker or anyone else calling a game in that type of moment, right? In your head, you already kind of have mapped out what you're going to say if it goes how you think it's going to go. And needless to say, it didn't go how Dave Hunziker thought it was going to go. And so at that point, you're just kind of lost. I've been there before. Pretty sure every broadcaster does. You get surprised, especially by something that just absolutely shatters the people that you are calling the game for more so than anybody else. And it becomes very difficult to collect and present your thoughts. It is a weird dichotomy as far as Dave Hunziker goes, though, because there's uh, he is... As nice of a guy as you could possibly meet, and Toby will tell you this, and like extremely accommodating to especially broadcasters and stuff like that. But whenever it comes to a game winning call, and Gunny's reminding me of this on the uh, text line too of the where's that sooner magic now, baby? Uh, is like <laughs> there is something that just like there is a switch that just flips. Maybe it's this is what makes him a great bowler too. Uh, you've heard about him rolling a three hundred, right? I had not. Yeah, he's rolled it like he. So Holcomb, uh, who does color for both football and basketball with Hunzi. Gosh, there are uh, so many good Oklahoma State jokes to be made. Oh, here, but I'm not going to make absolutely, them. absolutely. But Holcomb um, was telling us that basically, like. Hunziker is a legitimate bowler. Like, he goes and bowls in professional tournaments and stuff like that. And I guess it's the senior circuit, but he 
He goes and does pretty well, apparently. Uh, but there is something that switches with him whenever he's behind a microphone and he just wants – he just starts talking trash straight from the mic. And, <laughs> part, like, it's one of those things that where if you're an OSU fan, you love it. If you're not one, then you're like, calm down. You're you're Oklahoma State, okay, Hunzi? Like, take a step back. Drake said, you're Oklahoma State. You're Oklahoma State. <laughs> Uh, yeah, several listeners did point out real, real good day in the Bedlam series for Oklahoma on Saturday because not only did they win in men's hoops, they won in women's hoops at the Lloyd Noble Center. Jenny Baranchek's okay. crew absolutely dominating the Cowgirls, ninety-one to fifty-six. The so final what score. Basketball in general this year, Parker. Jenny's six and zero in Bedlam. Yeah, Jenny has never lost no. to the Oklahoma State Cowgirls, yeah. and. Uh, for those that care, another listener did point out the OU Hockey Club also beat the Oklahoma State Hockey Club Saturday in Tulsa. Eat that, pokes! I don't know if I have uh, if I have disclosed this publicly on the air. Uh, the very first thing I ever did as a broadcaster play in the play? state of Oklahoma uh, this when I got here me. This was me. It, I, I'm a Gaylord alum too. Is why it's not a shock to me. Yeah, so. OU Hockey. Yeah. at the Blazers yeah. Ice Center. Mm-hmm. I did two, maybe three games, yeah, and then decided, you know what? You know, I was—I I was don't a fre- know I was anything a about hockey. Well, that <laughs> I don't know anything about hockey. I don't know any of the jargon, uh huh, any of the shorthand, yeah, any of the terminology, and mm-hmm. also any of the rules. Yeah, well, I didn't have a parking pass Ooh, as yep. a freshman yep. in college, and so I would have to park at the LNC. Like and the equipment in. walk 20 minutes to mm. uh, my dorm. I lived in couch. And so I very quickly decided, you know what? This is just a lot of commitment for something that I'm not sure is going to help my career in the long run. I really don't want to be a hockey broadcaster long term. I, I mean, maybe it's a butterfly effect type of thing, though, Parker. Because you did those games, you've ended up where you are now. Maybe so. Maybe so. I mean, Uh, hey, I wouldn't trade any of it. I love where I am today. Yeah, so was that with the student radio station still at the time, or was that just a KXOU. Okay, yeah. So it was— The great Lynn Franklin. Yep, absolutely. That's that's how it got done whenever I was—I did not—so we had one person that called the games back when I was in college, and it was Lee Benson who did them. And it's because Lee grew up in Minnesota, so he he knew hockey— and yeah, it's hockey is a tough game to be able to call uh, on radio. By the way, yeah, for real, because it happens so fast, so much happening so fast, and it's very much like basketball in that. When we come back, we're gonna hit a quick break here. When we come back, uh, th- here's the issue: is that I was not at Gallagher Iba Arena on Saturday to watch and witness the silencer in Stillwater, and. When I relay to you the reason why I was not at Gallagher-Iba Arena, it's going to come with a very controversial take. So if you are one for controversy, please stick around. And even if you're not, you know this is the only place to be for Sooner Talk. The ref, the home of Sooner fans, keep it right here, and we'll be back next. Back with you here on the home of Sooner fans, the ref sports radio network. Parker Thune, Drake Dyken here with you. No Steely. Today and all week, he's on vacation, as several listeners pointed out on the text line. 
it was evidently that Oklahoma State loss on Saturday that just really sealed the deal. Steely needed a week off after that. Pistol Pete Hook'em Steely. Swifty Steely. <laughs> when did the Swifty, like that one I have not heard yet. When it was somewhere in the week leading up Build to the up Super to, Bowl. Okay. I don't know. that it, It's hilarious because like I can tell, and I doubt Steely's listening right now, but I, I like I, you can tell that, that it gets under his skin just a little bit. The, he he lets it roll off his back, right? You know, he he's not one to get legitimately ticked off about anything. Mm-hmm. But you can tell when somebody calls him. I I think Pistol Steely <laughs> is what really ticks him off the most. <laughs> he can deal with the Hook'em Steely label. Uh, he can deal with the uh, the Swifty Steely label. But Pistol Steely is uh, the one. That, it's a bridge too far. Yeah, uh, he just can't get get with it. Uh, quick. Look at the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Joe Link says, many thanks for the generous ladies tickets Saturday. Combo, basketball and baseball, my first ladies game, and now I'm hooked. That's great to hear, Joe. Yep. Uh, we do do ticket giveaways every now and again here on these very airwaves. And Joe won some tickets to the ladies game, got to witness a blowout at the Lloyd Noble yep. Center. Those tickets Saturday. actually were brought specifically to Rudy's Thursday night by Jenny Baranchek. Really? Yes. Yep. Wow. She'll bring, How about that? Yeah, she'll bring tickets every once in a while. To, and that's a, hey, uh, that is a good lesson for anybody out there listening. If you want a chance at free potential tickets for women's basketball, Jenny brings some usually whenever there's a Saturday game uh, after the uh, Thursday show. So. Uh, JP Sooner says the text line knows this station so well. T Row wouldn't play Hunziker's call, so they get Parker to do it. Right. I love being a member of the Ref Army so much. LOL. And that was beautiful. Nothing but whistles and groans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Randy from Miami? Is it Miami or is it Miami? See, this is confusing. Well, it says Randy from Miami, but of course. What's the, what's the area code? Area on? code is Kansas. Which I would assume Miami. that's Miami. Yeah, Miami. Let us know, Randy. 100%. Are you from Miami or are you from Miami? Because if, for instance, we have a listener, Jason, from Miami, but Miami is spelled out phonetically so that I know, okay, he's in Miami, Oklahoma, <laughs> and not Miami, Florida. That's not the case for Randy. That's a little bit ambiguous. Uh, but he said David Little's 20-foot buzzer beater versus Oklahoma State in 1983 was the last I remember. Yeah, I think there have been a couple since then. There was some ongoing Twitter discourse. Uh, here, here is the main thing that I wanted to bring up, though, Drake. And this is not a sports-related okay. take. Uh, I, as I mentioned, I was not at Gallagher Iba on Saturday. I would have loved to be there, especially because it was the last bedlam in who knows how long for the foreseeable the future. Yeah, the reason I was not there is because at the exact moment. That Bedlam was tipping off, my best friend and his wife had a gender reveal party for their child, which is due in July, August, something like that. Anyway, Drake, personally, I disagree with the entire premise of gender reveal parties. Same page. Okay. At that point, I think we're just taking the celebration of a new human life too far. And look- I love children, right? I love the fact that my best friend and his wife are having a baby. I'm basically getting a nephew. It's great. But there's going to be a baby shower. There will be a meal train when the child Uh is born. Mm -hmm. I do not understand why 
in this age, we feel as if we need an entirely separate party to reveal what the child's gender will be. We know it will be either a boy or a girl. And moreover, when you show up to that party, Drake, that's literally all there is. Right. You know, like, okay, you show up, you find out, however they're doing their announcement, they release balloons out of a box. It's like, okay, uh, we know it's a boy now, and the party is 20 minutes old, and now there's nothing to do but small talk. And I'm not a big small talk person, Drake. (laughs) I understand many people are, and I'm fine with that. You know what? If you can show up to places just for the well, small talk, good on you. I am not one of those people. Yeah. I mean, what exactly are you supposed to talk about at those parties to, like, oh, so what do you think it's going to be? Boy. Oh. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll see you later. See you later. Yeah, I, I, I don't – that's just one of those parties that has always, for me, the first one that I ever went to was actually TJ and his wife Katie's uh, gender reveal party for Bronx. And I didn't even know what it was. That was 13 years ago-ish. I didn't even know what a gender reveal party was at the time. <laughs> and I was like, so wait, you guys don't know, they didn't tell you the sex of the baby yet? No. And you're going to find out with everybody else same time? Yes. Jay and, and what's Tulsa. the point of this? Gosh, great text from Jay and Tulsa. Gender reveal parties and destination weddings should be outlawed. <laughs> I, uh, yes see, and amen, Jay and Tulsa. I, 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 I get the destination wedding part because... Do that for your honeymoon. I don't well, want to spend 3000 bucks to fly to Puerto Rico. Well, here's the thing, though. If you're wanting to limit the number of people at your ceremony... Okay, well, I, that's, that's true. So, there is a control mechanism yes, there. Yes. So that's the aspect I get it from. Jake, if I ever have a gender reveal party, ever, if I'm ever even tempted to, I want you to show up with a VCR tape of this show and slap me across the face with it. Please. Uh, we've got that on tape, too, so I can just go ahead and just slap you with it. Yeah, Absolutely. By all means. We're halfway home on this Monday. Hour two of Steely and Thune at noon. Sans Steely. Now I comes your way next. This is The Ref, the home of Sooner fans. Keep it here. We got an hour left to talk on this Monday. Parker Thune along with Drake Dyken. No Steely this week. The old man's on vacation. We're making do in his absence. This hour of the program brought to you by Black Thunder Roofing, locally operated in Norman and Edmond. Also serving Shawnee, Yukon, and Mustang. Black Thunder Roofing is your local roofer. They can do it all. A one-stop shop for customers looking for just one contractor. And they are an Angie's List Super Service Award winner on four different occasions. BlackThunderRoofing.com or 405-473-8028. That's 405-473-8028 is how you get in touch with the good folks at Black Thunder Roofing. Folks, you don't want to be having roofing issues. Hit up Black Thunder to make sure that is never the case. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line available to you, 405-651-3439. I'm actually quite surprised, pleasantly so, Drake, because the majority of the text line seems to be on my side here, which I was hoping would be the case, but I wasn't sure. The general consensus on the text line, however, 
is that gender reveal parties are indeed completely superfluous. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not a surprise to me that uh, almost 100% of guys on the text line are saying, yeah, no, uh, gender reveal party, not necessary, not a thing that needs to be uh, done at all. Um, the question I would have, really, is how many of you that are against them have had to have one just the same uh, anyways, even though you are <laughs> against a gender reveal party? and. The thing for me is the families that do it for, like, once it's like, okay, like, you're really excited to have your first kid. Sure. Sure. Like, if you're a close enough friend, I'll go to it. I wouldn't be invited otherwise, so on and so forth. I have never had a family member have a gender reveal party, by the way. But it's the families that do it for every single kid. It's like. Hold on, guy. You you guys are on your <laughs> third baby at this point. Just I'll just know whenever it, uh, the baby comes if I don't go to the gender reveal party. Yes. Or you can just uh, and look, look, I try to be a good friend. I try to be present yeah. whenever there is an occasion for the people that I am closest with. As and so be. I wasn't going to miss that gender reveal party on Saturday, even though I disagreed with the premise. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I'll even extend that. If people have fall weddings... I'll show up, and I know there is an ongoing war that all of us in sports media wage well, against fall weddings. But I, I got into it with my little sister not too long ago because I asked her to avoid uh, fall Saturdays in general, which she isn't. She's now single. She's not dating anybody seriously. But I said, <laughs> only thing I ask is avoid, and it was a knockdown, dragout kind of argument with her. It's like, wow. Sorry. Yeah, I don't but, know and look, it, it depends on how close I am to the individual, right? For my best friends, if one of them were to have a fall wedding, I would be there. However, I did get asked to do videography for a wedding. Uh, I want to say it was – you know what it was? It was 2021, and it would have been on the same day that Caleb Williams led Oklahoma back from that hole at the Cotton Bowl to beat Texas 55-48 to in one of the most memorable football games any of us have ever watched in our lifetimes. And I got asked like three or four months in advance to do videography at this wedding. And my answer was absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. No. And they were people I was friends with, but there are certain dates that are just prohibitive Regardless of the occasion, and OU Texas is one of them. Have you ever shot a wedding before? I have never shot a wedding before. Never. That so I think they were trying to do it on the cheap, and they figured, okay, he's got cameras. like He knows what he's doing. Let's see if we but, can pay him a little bit less than we could get away with paying well, a professional videographer. Y- n- listen, you do a great job with everything on that you do, OU Insider-wise and stuff like that. Shooting a wedding and dealing with the bridal party and everything, you don't want any of that heat at all. (laughs) I promise you. Especially if you're somebody that has zero experience in it and you have zero inclination to have that be a regular thing for you. No. No. You don't want that. Wise decision just to say no, but especially given the fact it was like, so wait, you want me to? No. Especially whenever you got the date like you did. No, thank you. 
Mark Desher just walked by the door and nodded in emphatic agreement with you. Mark I, Desher shot my wedding. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. He got to deal with uh, Grimzel over here himself. <laughs> he did say that my wife was the easiest bride that he and his wife Cassidy have ever had to deal with as photographers, Good. which was encouraging well, look to at hear. you. Encouraging look at you. Here. I married well. You already knew that you picked a winner, but now, now you really know. <laughs> Once you hear back from the wedding photographer that she was easy to deal with, that's when you know. A 214 listener says, gender reveal is right there with kindergarten graduations. Waste of everyone's time. I always think about the scene from The Incredibles. Yeah. It's not a graduation. Yeah. He is moving from the fourth grade to the fifth grade. Yeah. It, it, it's psychotic. Yes. We keep coming up with new ways to celebrate mediocrity. That's yeah. Robert Parr talking. That's not me talking, uh-huh. by the way. If you haven't seen The Incredibles, direct quote from the movie. That's right. But yes, I agree. Wholeheartedly. Yeah. We do not need kindergarten graduations. We do not need fourth grade graduations. No, uh, we do not you, need gender reveal you don't parties. Need middle school, junior high graduations, none of it. Like graduate high school, yes. Graduate you get an actual degree, yes. You get an actual graduation. A 918 listener says, my wife planned family pictures at the same time as the OU Texas game several oh. years back. I'm still bitter. I feel for you, my friend. What year was that? Which game did you have to? Yeah, I want to hear. Walk away from, like, because honestly, anybody, anybody who had who has such a story as that with regard to the game in 2022, for instance, I would say, well, that actually turned out pretty, pretty nicely. Turned out pretty okay because uh, it turns out nobody on the uh, which side is it? Is it the east side of the Cotton Bowl? That's the OU side. The tunnels. Nobody on the tunnel side of the Cotton Bowl wanted to be there after uh, halftime at all. So no, no. I'm pretty sure I watched the fourth quarter of that game from the media room because I was just like, There's, "It's hot and nothing, nothing remotely exciting is happening no. right now." No, it is Texas's third teamers versus Oklahoma's third teamers, and no one cares at this point what happens the rest of the way. No. Nick that, Evers is that, running read options and spiking footballs into the yeah, ground. Uh, and it's him actually trying to complete a pass, too, is the sad part. Uh, how is he doing at uh, Wisconsin? If we uh, Did he get any? QB3. Huh? QB3 right okay. now. Rocket Center is, says. Is Mordecai, is he done? He's, Mordecai's done. Okay. Mordecai's done. Okay. Yeah. Their starter or projected starter this co- did they get a transfer? I can't it recall. It seemed like they got somebody in the portal. I can't remember. Yeah, that. so they have Mabry Matoyer coming in as a true freshman. McCade's younger brother. Uh, pretty okay. talented quarterback yeah. out of the Woodlands, Texas. And then they have Braden Locke, who's a transfer from Mississippi State as well. So Evers probably won't be any higher than QB2 this fall, I would think. He's still uh, still a ways away. Yeah. Uh, Creek Sooner says, Sunday is the Lord's Day and Saturday is for football. Yes and amen, Creek Sooner. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line is 405-651-3439. Gunny of Stutzman Army would like to know, how many weddings has Drake been to? How many weddings have you been to, Drake? Just since I've become an adult? Yes, sure. We'll Uh, make that the line. I'm probably double digits. Okay. Yeah, double digits. The amount of weddings that I have attended that I have not been in are remarkably few. Yeah. The which... only the only fall wedding that I've gone, like, and it's been kind of a big deal as far as I'm part of it, was my older sister got married 
She got married down in both sides of my family actually are from the Sulphur area originally. And there's some land down there that uh, my family owns. And that's where uh, she had her first uh, wedding. And it was actually a Saturday that she got married, but it was a um, bi weekend for Oklahoma. So that was the that was the only time that I ever remember going to a fall wedding. Get this. I have to go to a wedding next month that is on a Monday afternoon. Which I just find well, th- that's odd. that's the way Connor's was. You know the reason why? Because well, probably because he saved a lot of money with the venue. That's, that's it. That is it. One hundred and ten percent. I get that. Yeah. You know, I can sympathize with that. It's like a five p.m. wedding on a Monday, though. Well, Connor's was like at two or three o'clock in the afternoon on a Monday. So yeah, it's it's a whole thing. I I had never experienced it, and then it seems like since I heard about Connor's wedding, uh, there were probably two or three that I've heard of, like just a friends. They're like, yeah, we've we've got to go to this Monday wedding. Apparently, th- there are great deals to be had on wedding venues on Mondays. Greg from Lawton says, plan all the pictures you want on the second Saturday in October. You will have to Photoshop me into said pictures, as I will not be there. That's Boomer. Right. Shark agrees. He says, Dad wouldn't have been in the picture if my wife had scheduled that way. Christmas cards would have resembled a single parent family. Mm. Colin KC says, my best friend is getting married on September 21st. I'm the best man. Is that the Tennessee game? Yes, it is. But I've come extremely close to saying I can't make it because Josh Heupel is returning to Norman. (sighs) That's tough. Uh... I've been uh, – see, the thing that's fortunate enough for me is that most of my friends, my best friends from college, all work in sports production in some capacity. So almost all of them are busy on fall weekends as it is. I have Mm -hmm. friends that work with Thursday Night Football, that work with Big Noon Kickoff, so on and so forth. They know better than to try to have a get-together for all of us on a game day Saturday or Sunday even because some are working NFL. I'm fortunate in that manner, but I do really rue the day that my uh, little sister does get married because (laughs) she made it sound like, well, it is my dream to have a fall wedding, so you're going to make it happen as far as being there. So, no matter what, sounds like your hands are tied, my friend. It's it's fun. It's fun. All everybody, right, everybody has that one family member that's zero chill. <laughs> that is true, and that is my little sister uh, Grace. She has gotten that way over the last few years. I love her to death, but she has become absolutely zero chill on stuff like this yeah well i think with that we've just about hit our quota for non-sports talk today so we will resume talking sports again coming up next brent venables had some comments in a conversation with t row about fan support as oklahoma transitions the sec we'll get into some recruiting talk obviously we got a lot more coming up at 2 p.m as tyler mccomas and i dig into the recruiting hour on locked in but more Sooner Talk is on the way. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line open to you, 405-651-3439. Stay here on the ref, the home of Sooner fans.
Stream at home. Shop the latest ref gear. Read the latest issues of Boyd Street or 19th Street Magazine. And listen to the podcast for your favorite ref shows. Just visit the all-new KREF.com website. Oh, Mark Desha was just in here telling me a horror story, Drake. I guess he got roped into shooting a wedding. As the story goes, well, the deal is the wedding was on OU Texas Saturday. Mm-hmm. But he agreed to do the wedding in January of 2014, thinking that they were getting married in October, as in October 2014. Mm -hmm. Looked at the date, and it was a Friday. Turns out it was October 2015. Mm -hmm. And that date was OU Texas Saturday. And he was... He was giving me this whole, this whole spiel about how everybody there, everybody amongst the families was an OU fan, and so they were all watching the game or listening to the game and getting all pissed off because Oklahoma lost to Texas that year. Mm-hmm. Texas won that game 24-17, Baker Mayfield's first start uh, in the Cotton Bowl, and he was saying everybody there was an OU fan, and it was just – uh, very much exacerbating the tension, the fact that OU happened to be losing that football game. And my response to that was, okay, no, you're not an OU fan if you're holding a wedding the same day as OU Texas. You may claim to be, but you're not an OU fan. I just, yeah, it, it, that that's for me. By the way, uh, was it Gunny that asked how many? I'm probably in like the 15 to 20 range as far as weddings I've been to. I started counting in the break. So A train on the text line says, how many times do we have to go over this? You never get married during CFB season ever. If you do, you get to wear an orange dunce hat the rest of your life. I don't have a single piece of orange apparel in my wardrobe, Drake. And it's not even because I have some deep-seated, over-the-top hatred for Oklahoma State and or Texas. Well, (laughs) though that may be true, that's not the reason I don't have any orange apparel. It's just because I don't like the color orange. I've never liked the color orange. I'm not a fan either. Um, I can't think of anything in my wardrobe. I do know that my – so my brother-in-law, love him to death. Uh, Oh, boy. You know when it starts out that way. No, (laughs) he's great, and he's great for my sister – and he is a fantastic person, and he just does not – He's he never grew up following sports or anything, so he just doesn't understand fandom in that sense of the word gotcha. at all. So he works at Emmy here in Norman, and they get lots of free stuff all the time, and they had some – I can't remember what it was. They had OU and OSU – Things that they had with the Emmy logo on them. And he brought an OSU one home because he said, well, everybody took all the OU ones. But I figured your brother would want an OSU one to my sister. And my sister was like, he's not going to want that. (laughs) He is not going to want that at all. And he was just so perplexed by, wait, it's a free, like, it's a free hat, though. Like. Why wouldn't he want it? It's like, first off, Drake has plenty of free hats. Second off, it's got Oklahoma State on there. He's not going to wear an opposing team on any anything at all. That's going to be Texas. It's going to be Oklahoma State. No, it's not going to happen. 
Gunny of Sutsman Army says the color orange is just simply ugly and the worst color ever invented. Yeah. Fully concur. TC yeah. and T-Town says, I hate orange. It reminds me of construction traffic, and I hate construction traffic. Maybe that's why I hate orange. Because there is nothing, nothing that gets on my nerves. And my wife can attest to this. My best friend, anybody who knows me well can attest to this. It is very hard, very, very hard to legitimately get on my nerves. The only thing that does it every single time is traffic. Mm. I cannot stand being in traffic because I'm a man of efficiency, Drake. Mm -hmm. I like operating efficiently. I like getting places efficiently. Traffic prohibits me from doing so. That's right. All right, let's get this show back on track. Uh, T-Row had to sit down with Brent Venables. I was scrolling through my Twitter feed and caught this snippet from their conversation and uh, thought it opened up an interesting discussion regarding fan support heading to the SEC. Uh, you may have to re- rewind that clip, Drake. It looks like I forgot to put the uh, it's all good. time marker yeah, at the beginning. But here we, here we go. This was Brent Venables on fan support uh, transitioning to the SEC. Your fans are excited. Mm-hmm. Over 1,000 new season ticket holders this year. Hundreds are on the wait list. What would your message be to Sooner Nation about how they've invested already in Team 130? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not surprised in any way. This is, um, but at the same time, I want to recognize, I mean, this is a place that has sold out for, you know, 23 straight years, uh, has one of the best home winning percentages in all of college football since 2000. I think it's top three, top four in the country. And um, so, you know, that doesn't happen if you don't have a great environment you know, on game day. And uh, so whatever it's been, uh, again, uh, everybody got to step up and take it to another level. And I know our fans, uh, uh, there's there's not a more passionate, invested fan base in all of college football. And we're, it's going to take everybody uh, to help us, you know, transition to the SEC and have the kind of success that everybody desires. Okay, so that opens the door for – Conversation on a lot of different fronts. By the way, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line once again is 405-651-3439 if you want to chime in. But, Jake, I guess the question that I I would ask Steely if he was here, but I'd love to ask you as well. I'd love another perspective on this as somebody that has existed in the Sooner community for a long time, as you have, and knows what game days consist of, knows what to expect when you show up to Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium, and just the general weekend pageantry of football in the fall at the University of Oklahoma. What do you think tangibly more fan support looks like? What do you think being SEC ready looks like what do you think the difference is between how the fan base approaches sec football and how they have approached big 12 football in the past boils down to the two things that stand out to me are first and i don't know necessarily what the fix is for it the student section for me That might might be unfixable. Yeah, and I don't know how you fix that. The first off to me, whenever you have – I joke, it's kind of – it kind of is shaped like the uh, Cleveland County outline uh, whenever you're looking at a county map for Oklahoma. At the top of the student section, there's always this big cutout 
of Cleveland County that is just empty. There's no fans in it whatsoever, and it's in the student section. That's the thing that bothers me the most as far as going to Memorial Stadium on a game day and, like, yeah, that needs to be better. Students need to be better about going to the football games, staying at the football games. Um, also, I, I mean, I'm not really the right person to ask this because whenever I go to college game day, I'm inside the stadium five, six hours before the game kicks off and am working on the radio broadcast. But everything that I've always heard is, as far as tailgating scene, what it is that happens in the SEC and what happens in Norman, Oklahoma, miles apart. That there's a lot of makeup that needs to be made for... OU fans in terms of how much they show out on tailgating. So what you're saying is Okies need to be body slamming some card tables. <laughs> no, I did not say Buffalo Bills. <laughs> I said they need – here's the thing is there also needs to be a – and I thought this was fantastic what it is that Tulsa had last year. Did you get to go to their tailgate scene at all? Yes. Yeah. yeah I, I was actually super impressed. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. And I think that that's really the big need for OU right now is an area like that, a big wide open field. And I get it. It's a big university that's got buildings all over it for every single college. I understand. There needs to be some type of or part of the university that needs to be segued off for just tailgating or it needs to be more organized because that to me is the biggest thing what about for you Cherokee Center says a good start would be for half of our fan base to delete their Twitter accounts oh that would be great oh wouldn't it if 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 all of our fan base could stop adding recruits uh especially after they commit to a different school that would be a top tier for me what about for you? What, Gosh, what are the differences? It, imagine, and they didn't because Oklahoma had backed off the recruitment long before. But like, imagine, imagine if that fan base had just taken Brennan Thompson to task and tweeted at him relentlessly when he committed to Texas. Yeah, he might never have ended up here. No, I never have ended up here. And I guess from that standpoint, if that's the way you look at it, maybe it's a good thing that yeah. Mule Shoe decided he didn't want Brennan Thompson months before that recruitment. Uh, finally wrapped up. Here's my thing, Drake. And we talked about it a little bit in the aftermath of Toby Keith's passing, but there needs to be more tradition. Not not even more. There needs, there needs to be a tradition. There needs to be something that on game day, Oklahoma fans are known for slash uh, that, distinguishable. That the like, entire crowd interacts with. Is not, what you're saying. Like, not necessarily. I think that would be great, but it doesn't even necessarily have to be that. It's just when when people outside of the OU football community, outside of the Sooner fan base, think OU football, mm. they need to they need to think something. Right. Right. Right now, I don't know what that is. And maybe that's because, you know, I I am within the mindset of a Sooner football fan and mm-hmm. somebody who has been around Sooner football my whole life. And so maybe I'm just not adequately equipped to answer that question. But to somebody who is not a Sooner fan, what do they think of when they think OU football? Because when I think about game day 
in Tuscaloosa. I think about all of them singing Dixieland Delight, right? When I think about uh, game day at Virginia Tech, I see them all fist pumping to Inner Sandman in my head, right? Even even Kansas State, the Wabash Cannonball. It's maybe the coolest tradition in the Big 12. So this this is a little bit more of a tradition in terms of fan interaction driven. Yes, I, yes. I think just in terms of the game day experience, there needs to be something that Oklahoma is known for. Another great example, University of Florida, right before the game, they have the video presentation and it's the swamp. Yeah. Only gators get out alive. That's right. So I don't know what that you get is. You to hear the Jaws theme the entire game, too. That's fun. Yeah, I, I don't know what it needs to be. I'm open to suggestions. I don't have a concrete idea, I, the I, one thing that it should be. I thought that the fan engagement with Red Solo Cup at Lloyd Noble was fantastic. And I think that that really is the simple answer to me, is that is a song that's easy to sing along to. Most OU fans love it just because of its association with Toby Keith. I think that's the simplest thing as far as a tr- some type of tradition to tie in that drives fan engagement. I mean, you already have your chants like Boomer and Sooner and everybody screaming for that, but that's the low-hanging fruit to me at this point in time, especially with how it went at Lloyd Noble. A 918 listener says, went to the Florida State game and they had a chant for every first down. Yeah, let's please not do that. It doesn't need to be nauseating, and that's the problem. There are a lot of schools that I've been to, a lot of road games that I've traveled to uh, where the school does something like that, and it'll it'll vary, but it's something that they do, for instance, after every single first down or every single scoring play, like Riff Rambazu at TCU, for instance – it, it doesn't need to be nauseating. It needs to be something that happens once, maybe a couple times over the course of the game day experience. But if you're doing it over and over and over again, trust me, you will get tired of it. Opponents will get tired of it. Everyone will get tired of it. That's why when we talk about those great traditions across college football, that's why nobody talks about Riff Ram Bazoo. It's because it happens way too dang much. All right, I'll get off. I was I was really hoping that you were going to uh, dish out some beef with the Sooner Nation on something like that, as far as things that you would like to see. No, I I don't really have major beef with Sooner Nation about anything. Okay, I so I have minor that, I have minor beef about certain things. That's the only thing that you would change. That's the only thing that's not SEC ready. Well, I I think a lot. So the S- tail, do you think that the tailgating scene needs to be better? No, it's not. It's not good enough right now. It's not SEC ready right. right now, but I trust that it will be. You know, like this. Right. As I as I think ahead to what September, October is going to look like in Norman, sure, obviously there are aspects of the OU football experience in which you're going to need to take a step up, but there are certain areas in which I trust OU and the fan base to yeah. take that step up. I'm more thinking along the lines of things that aren't necessarily automatic. All right, we're overdue for a timeout. Let's hit a quick break, and we'll come back with more Sooner Talk. Dive into recruiting just a little bit. In addition to discussing what needs to be SEC-ready this fall for Oklahoma, this is the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Sports Radio Network. Stay right here.
The Ref Radio Sports Network is powered statewide by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. Hour two of Steely and Thune at noon here on The Ref, the Homer Center fans. Steely's out today and the rest of the week. Parker Thune here with Drake Dykin. This hour of the program brought to you by Black Thunder Roofing, locally operated in Norman and Edmond, also servicing Shawnee, Yukon, and Mustang. You can hit them up at 405-473-8028 or just hit blackthunderroofing.com. Let's dive into some recruiting quick, and I'm sure we will discuss this more uh, in the 2 o'clock hour once Tyler McComas jumps in the saddle with me. So we're not going to spend a ton of time on it here, but I did find this compelling and Obviously figured many of you listeners would as well. The Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line is available to you at 405-651-3439. So if you have thoughts, feel free to air them out. But uh, rankings updates across the recruiting industry this week. Our National Council of Rivals, I say our, obviously I am the co-publisher at OUinsider.com on the Rivals Network. And the higher-ups at Rivals are unveiling their new Class of 2025 rankings this week. One of the big movers is Denton Ryan offensive lineman Ty Haywood, up from number 59 in the nation to number 16 today, and given his fifth star. Rivals National Recruiting Director Adam Gorney sat down with Haywood this morning to talk through some of his top schools, and one of them was Oklahoma. Let's talk about some at, some at the top, and we can get through these pretty quickly. Oklahoma coach Biedenbaugh and, and the job he's done with offensive linemen. How has he been recruiting you, and what do you think of the Sooners right now? Um, coach Biedenbaugh is a pretty good guy. Um, when I first met him, I met him as a coach, and then I met him as a as a as a person. So we got um, kind of bonded um, a little bit faster than as an unhappy coaches. dog in the background. Um, so always you got a pretty good deal. Um, they always have a. A good offensive line group that's, and most of them make it to the NFL. Um, because Bimo is a pretty good coach. Beat and bow, folks. Beat and bow. Let's yeah, that's just... that's the thing that uh, always sticks out to me. Uh, you know, my dad, I love him to death, but every time he will call him beat and ball every single time. And I, I kind of say, I am very explicit about saying. Oh, yeah, uh, Beanbo. Well, <laughs> so, like, explicitly, now, and it's still, it doesn't stick. It's a very common mistake. Yes. So I'm not going to rake anybody over the coals for making the mistake, but let's put some respect on his name, folks. That's the best offensive line coach in the country. That's Bill right. Beanbo. And he is in a real good spot for Ty Haywood, the five-star out of Denton Ryan. Six foot six, 270 pounds. And it's real interesting, Drake, because the word I've gotten from sources on both the Oklahoma end and the Denton Ryan end is that OU's in the driver's seat with this kid. Texas is involved. Texas A&M is involved. But OU has the lead at the moment. I find that really interesting because as things stand right now, he hasn't visited campus in over I, – I almost said over seven months. I guess looking at the calendar, it's been six Seven months to the day, July 26th for Sooners Under the Stars was his last campus visit to the University of Oklahoma. He is expected back for the spring game on April 20th. So, blaze up, Gunny. Big visitor on 420. And he won't be the only one. But the Sooners will get the chance to have Ty Haywood back on campus, make a good impression, and obviously the expectation is that they're going to get him for an official visit at some point, although the date 
is not yet confirmed. To the text line we go. Well, uh, hold on. How do you feel about Oklahoma's chances there before we move oh, on to this? Oh, I, I feel good. I don't feel great. Okay. You know, like, and that's kind of where I stand with all three of their top offensive line targets. Haywood, Lamont Rogers, and Michael Fasusi, all DFW area guys. Mm-hmm. They're all top 25 prospects nationally. Yeah. So I'm tempering expectations because, yes, the Sooners have a really good shot with all of them, but we know the game with major offensive line yeah. targets and what generally comes into play. And what generally comes into play, folks, is money and a That's lot right. of it. And That's so right. I I would say if Biedenboe can get two of those three, he will be in line to have the best class that he's ever had at the University yeah. of Oklahoma. If he gets one of three, it's still a really good one and in that conversation. That's kind of my thought is that I don't know which one they get, but I would bet they get one of three between Fasusi, Rogers, and Haywood. An I-18 listener says, my beef is when someone yells boomer and some jack wagon answers with Sooners or even posts boomer Sooners. It's just Sooner. Thank you, sir. Once again, you're not an OU fan if you have your wedding on the day of OU Texas, and mm-hmm. you're certainly not an OU fan if you say boomer Sooners. Mm-hmm. We're all better educated than That's that. That's right. I would hope. Insert Oklahoma education <laughs> joke here, right? But... Yeah, it's not great. We're all educated in the tradition of OU football That's better right. than that, I would hope. Uh... Gunny of Stutzman Army says, 10-4, blaze up, will do. That's right. I know you didn't need my goading, Gunny. I knew that's already what the day held for you. Uh, JP Sooner says, when TK says, thank you for being my friend in Red Solo Cup, we all sing along and raise our drinks to the sky. There we go. Yeah, that's a very – it would be a very Oklahoma tradition. That's right. But a very necessary one, I think. Because, again, I just – I want other fans to associate something with Oklahoma football. I think that's good for the OU brand outside of the Sooner State and outside of their own fan bases. If you can think something, if there is a tradition, and experience, if there is something that comes to mind when you think OU football – I think that enhances the strength of the brand nationwide. A 405 listener says, name the tailgating space Toby Tailgating Territory. There we go. Named, of course, after Toby Keith. TK. TK Tailgating Territory. I'd be down with that. Yeah. Statue? We get a statue? Just like a big solo cup? or I I know somebody (laughs) – some people have talked about uh, just the city of Norman getting one and – Having an act- him holding a solo cup and it get filled up on game days and stuff like that. Another banger from Cherokee Sooner. This is why he's our number one texter. Yeah. The year I graduated high school, Oklahoma was ranked 49th in education. I always wondered what state was 410th. <laughs> well done, Cherokee. Well done. All right, let's hit a final break. We'll come back. Wrap up this edition of Steely and Thune and Noon here on The Ref, the home of Sooner fans. Keep it here. The 1 o'clock hour of the Steelman and Thune at Noon Show is brought to you by Black Thunder Roofing. Black Thunder Roofing can do it all. A one-stop shop for customers looking for one contractor. Locally operated in Norman and Edmond, blackthunderroofing.com, 405-473-8028. Back to wrap it up here on a Monday installment of Steely and Thune at Noon. No Steely today and for the rest of the week. He's out on vacation 
for those just joining us. But he'll be back a week from today. In the meantime, we'll hold it down. The Drake himself, Drake Dyken, jack of all trades, engineer extraordinaire, is riding alongside with, with me on this Monday. And are you in every day this week, Drake? Is it you and I all week? That's the plan. Let's do it. Yeah. Love it. Obviously, the big topic of conversation today uh, has been the silencer in Stillwater, Javian McCollum's buzzer beater, to beat the Pokes on Saturday in Gallagher-Iba Arena. An incredible shot that rescued the Sooners in many, many ways, Drake. And I guess, you know, we started the show with it. Let's close the show by talking about it once again, because from where I stand, I think this really has the chance to be a galvanizing win for Oklahoma. Yeah, I I mean, kind of the bad luck about it, though, is your schedule this week. You've got two top 10 teams on the slate, including the number one team, the consensus number one team in the nation on Saturday. Um, The main thing it does for you, though, is it all but locks up you being in the tournament this year. It does. We don't want to get too far out in front of our skis, but the odds look very, very good for Oklahoma to make the field of 68 as things stand. Like Um, you said, you want to get one more win. You want to be at 20 wins to lock it up, essentially. But um, there's still really – you would be on bubble watch if you lost the rest of the way out, Um, and there would be a chance if there's some upsets and some mid-major – conference uh championship game bid thieves that's right uh but you really want to control your own destiny as much as possible and that's by going and winning at least one game and like you said the one you circle is cincinnati at home we've received multiple requests to play it again so we're gonna play it again folks here's how it sounded on poke radio on saturday McCollum with seven seconds near midcourt. Defended by Keller. Hesitates. Now drives it left, but cut off. Three seconds. McCollum, left wing. Three-pointer at the buzzer is good. And Oklahoma wins. You hate to see it, folks, but you love to watch it. Now don't you? 100%. Uh, a listener in the 405 on the text line says, Parker, you're so dramatic. Galvanizing? Let me expound upon that. Okay. Because, A, I don't think I'm dramatic. Uh, 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 you know, Steely did joke last week that this was going to be a vocabulary uh, two-hour session from you uh, every day, too. So, What's been the biggest word of the day? Let me know. I can't even um, think of it. Superfluous, perhaps? Yes. Yeah, I used that one yeah. earlier. Yeah. Uh, Here's why I think it has the opportunity to be a galvanizing win for Oklahoma is because this team just did not and has not had the same swagger in conference play as they have or as they did in non-conference play. And obviously they haven't won games the way they did in non-conference play, but they just haven't been playing with the same fire, man. And it's been it's been conspicuous. And here's here's why I think that has the chance to be so pivotal, because obviously from an individual perspective, Javian McCollum hitting that shot is huge for his confidence and will be yeah. huge for his confidence moving forward because you know he's going to be walking on air the next few games uh, right. with the memory of that shot seared into the back of his head. But also, the way that the Sooners reacted after McCollum hit that shot, 
Not only all the hugging, the dapping each other up, they were stoked. It was obvious, right? And they sh- they very well should have been. But whether it was Waldo Suarez waving goodbye to the crowd mm-hmm. or Otega Owe John with the student section That's right. or Javian McCollum uh, – gazing in the direction of the Oklahoma State bench and shouting, go home, go home, go home. Like That's the type of swagger I want to see from OU basketball, That's right. man. That's the type of swagger that makes you think, okay, like maybe this team can go somewhere. Maybe this team actually can make some noise in March. They got to play with that type of edge. I, that, that, to me, was maybe the re- most refreshing aspect of how it all went down, other than the fact, obviously, they won the game. Yeah, they needed to win the game. They did win the game. But the instant reaction, the way that they conducted themselves in the aftermath, uh, Javian McCollum sinking that shot, man. It was like for even if only for a brief moment in time, they got their swagger back. See if they can get things rolling now. See if that can generate some momentum. Hey, maybe you steal one in Hilton Coliseum this week. I'm not counting on it, but boy. Wouldn't that be quite the way to cement your spot in the field of 68? Because that would officially punch Oklahoma's ticket. That's all the time we have on this Monday. Tyler McComas going to jump in alongside me next for Locked In. Keep it right here on the Ref Sports Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. For the latest recruiting and Sooner news, catch Tyler McComas and Parker Thune on Locked In. Weekday afternoons from 2 to 3, right here on your home for Sooner fans, the Ref Sports Radio Network.